Hello and welcome to Himscast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock. The COVID-19 pandemic crisis has in many ways brought us all together. But even these times, there are still bad actors taking advantage of the turbulence and chaos caused by the crisis. This is bad news for the world of cybersecurity, especially when it comes to keeping health records safe. I'm joined today by Healthcare IT News Executive Editor Mike Milliard, who's been covering this side of the COVID-19 story. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Jonah. Nice to be here. So lay this out for us a little bit. Um, What are some of the major cybersecurity uh, news trends that have been coming to light lately? Well, I don't think it's a surprise to hear that, uh, you know, the bad actors and the cyber crooks out there are kind of happy to take advantage of of the global uh, chaos, you know, financial chaos. Um, Hospitals are in dire straits as they try to fight back against uh, COVID-19. And um, we're seeing a huge uptick in all sorts of uh, cybersecurity uh, malfeasance across the board. Uh, I was just reading the most recent healthcare and cross-sector cybersecurity report from HIMSS uh, and our colleague uh, Lee Kim, you know, the chief uh, you know, security officer at HIMSS, uh, puts it pretty succinctly. She says, cybersecurity, uh, cyber criminals, state-sponsored actors, and others are now investing significant effort and time with COVID-19 phishing campaigns using means such as text messages, emails, social media messages, phishing websites, and advertisements. Both consumers and businesses of all types are targets, and the objectives of these phishing campaigns vary, such as money, business email compromise and ransomware, crippling of systems, distributed denial of service attacks, credential stealing. Uh, You know, we've seen, uh, this is me talking now, we've seen web uh, platforms, you know, Zoom has seen a huge increase in popularity, obviously, and there's been some, uh, you know, cyber bombing of of, of those uh, conversations and so, you know, there's clearly a lot of um, stuff going on, whether it's, you know, targeting supply chains recently has been a, a, a topic of, of, of the news and uh, financial fraud with regard to the stimulus payments that are going out. So obviously hospitals and health systems, as always, are, are in the crosshairs, but so are consumers and, and other folks as as this pandemic plays out. Even the World Health Organization was targeted by a cyber attack, right? Yeah, that happened uh, sort of uh, early on in this, back in March. Uh, in, you know, the WHO said it's seen cyber, cyber attacks double since the onset of the crisis. Um, there's been targets on vaccine testing facilities, uh, uh, several hospitals. There was one hospital in the Czech Republic that was crippled uh, by ransomware back in, uh, in, in early March. So uh, there's there's lots of folks out there, even though there have been some hacker groups that have promised to kind of have a ceasefire, uh, you know, to kind of hold their fire as, as the health systems are doing their work uh, to fight back against the pandemic. But clearly not everybody has signed on to that uh, non-aggression pact. So what do these hackers, what do these bad actors have to gain in this moment? I mean, obviously they're not... Um, their their object isn't to make the pandemic worse or to make more people die from the virus. Um, but what's the what's the opportunity here for them? What are they what are they after? Well, I mean, I think the same thing that they're always after, which is money. You know, ransomware, um, stealing patient records, which go for you know big bucks on the black market. Um, they're just kind of taking advantage of the heightened state of confusion and chaos that 
this pandemic has has unleashed on the world and they're they're you know a lot of them unfortunately are succeeding um do you have any i know out of the reporting that you've you and your staff have done any specific examples that sort of uh, maybe paint this picture a little more clearly or intimately well, you know, we had a story uh, just a couple weeks ago where Google, you know, was reporting that it's blocking 18 million uh, COVID-19 scam emails every day. Um, and that's not even in addition to, you know, 240 million spam messages launched at Gmail users, you know, trying to kind of, you know, capitalize on, on folks who, who might be a bit confused as, as all this you know, very confusing time plays out. Um, that's on the consumer side, but um, as far as uh, hospitals, you know, a, a nonprofit hospital in in uh, New York in Rochester uh, saw its computer network go down in, in February uh, with with some ransomware. Um, Champaign Urbana Public Health District in Illinois had to pay up after uh, another ransomware attack, um, and so that obviously has um, led to a lot of confusion and a lot of uh, stress in addition to an already stressful situation as hospitals are stretched to capacity just trying to manage the the uh, the medical emergency that this presents um, and in, so government agencies you know whether it's the FBI which has released alerts about supply chain attacks or, or Interpol which is warning healthcare institutions uh, you know that they're increasingly targets of course as we know for the past several years they've been targets but you know this this is only worse worsening with with, with the situation. Uh, the UN Undersecretary uh, has called for an immediate global digital ceasefire. He called during the pandemic, but um, clearly that hasn't quite uh, taken place. So, what are hospitals and health organizations doing to combat this threat? I mean, obviously, they... well, I guess here let's back up. Are we looking at new kinds of cyber threats or, or new sorts of attacks, or is this really just the same old story, but the current situation just makes it much more dangerous and more difficult to deal with? I think it's probably uh, the latter. I spoke to the chief information security officer at Penn Medicine um, earlier this month, uh, or I suppose now that it's May, uh, it was in April, uh, but he said that, um, you know, generally speaking, they're kind of pushing along on a lot of projects they had underway and they're focusing a lot on the strategic objectives that they had in place before this pandemic hit. But he said, obviously, in light of what's happening, there's been a need to make some small adjustments. That's just a new threat landscape that we're faced with and some of the new demands from clinical and operations perspective. You know, he says uh, they've they've increased their level of awareness and threat modeling around, you know, COVID-19 themed phishing emails. Um, he's, you know, they've heightened their security vigilance, um, just knowing that, you know, the, the, the bad actors out there are looking for any opportunity to kind of find a way in. And he said that they've um, changed, made some changes in their coordination with other uh, organizations across the enterprise, with clinical and operations. Um, you know, he says, these times have certainly put us in more regular contact with leaders uh, through the rapid evolution of how we're currently providing care right now. And so, you know, while they're not necessarily scheduled meetings, he said, he said they're, they're in close contact with the clinical and operations teams regularly to kind of help ensure they're all on board uh, with with some of the changes that need to be made to their cybersecurity posture. So there is an organized response here, right? Which makes sense because, I mean, these times are so galvanizing for everyone. I can't imagine it would be any different for security professionals who have such an important job to do. No, yeah. I I mean, I think that's true. Uh, But of course, there's new new complications. I mean, a lot of these hospitals and health systems are rolling out um, telehealth uh, in ways and at scale that they are not used to before. 
and telehealth, you know, bringing care into patients' homes brings its own unique set of cybersecurity um, vulnerabilities and privacy implications. Um, you know, a lot of these hospitals have a lot of their back office staff working from home remotely. So there's that added um, security wrinkle that they need to shore up um, in this already fraught environment. Right. Everything that's conducted remotely becomes a new security risk. And I suppose the HIPAA waiver that ONC issued uh, for the duration of the crisis doesn't help matters when it comes to the privacy aspect. Oh, uh, you mean uh, uh, OCR? What, what they 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 um, widened the widened? They announced that they had to give some enforcement discretion with regard to the tools that are used for telehealth. Yeah, um, we we've covered that as well. Um, you know, consumer uh, communications platforms that would never have uh, flown. With, from a security perspective with HHS are now okay in the thick of this pandemic. And we'll have to see how those rules get tightened back up again once hopefully uh, this storm passes. So, you know, we are obviously, we're, you know, we're a journalism organization that, that covers these stories, but we also try to provide a lot of resources for our readers who are in the health IT space, including security professionals. Um, are you starting to collect some sort of best practices, lessons learned, you know, advice go forward here for, for folks that are dealing with some of these incursions? You know, not being a security professional myself, I can't, you know, speak to that specifically, but I would say kind of just like the CISO at Penn Medicine said, it's it's just kind of a matter of doing what you do, but making sure you do it better and, you know, with, with an eye towards the very unique circumstances we find ourselves in. Um, you know, I asked them for some advice for smaller hospitals or, you know, other health systems that are trying to manage security during, you know, already hugely challenging times. And he just said that, you know, one of the key things to keep in mind and during a time like this, there's a need to be accommodating, but not reckless. He said, clinical operations are moving so quickly that there really may not be time to slow things down like they were in the past from a security perspective. But that said, if you're a security professional, it's your job to shine a light on potentially risky technologies and workflows and if they're identified, you need to make sure that the right people are aware of it, as unpopular as it may be to do something like that during a crisis. I'm not saying to put a stop to things, but it's still the job of information security to keep the health system aware when things may look risky and provide the right level of consultation and insight into the best way to secure them. So, he, you know, that was a that, that was, was a quote, quote from from Dan Costantino, who is the CISO at, at Penn Medicine. And, um, you know, he's, he's a smart guy and he's been, you know, in the trenches for a while doing this. And, you know, he said that cyber risk tolerance may need to be kind of adjusted in the throes of a crisis like this as, as you know, the clinical teams are, are really in crisis mode and trying to roll out new technologies or new strategies or new workflows. Um, you may need to make some, just like OCR made with the telehealth platforms, you may need to make some adjustments um, to, to address this optimally from a medical standpoint. In, you know, but um, still, security has to be top of mind, of course. Yeah, it's a tricky situation. I mean, some people have compared the battle against COVID-19 to you know, to a war, and this almost makes it a war on two fronts, right? Where you're trying to beat the virus, but also beat the hackers, like you're, you know, who you're constantly battling. And sometimes those two goals are not going to perfectly align in terms of what the best path forward is. Exactly. Especially as, you know, new... Um factors are, are, you know, playing into this. As you know, as we all know, it's, it's a very confusing time and the news is changing by the day. And from a healthcare perspective, there's um, 
all these things that folks may not have even thought about. Uh, there's privacy concerns as in, we, you know, we know the, the, the risks of in, insiders and, and snooping. And, you know, there there's some firms that have seen an uptick in, um, privacy concerns as, as employees perhaps snoop in, in electronic health records where they can to see who may be COVID-19 positive or, um, there's, um, these temporary hospitals that are being stood up uh, to deal with overflow patients. Thankfully, it seems like many of them have not needed to be used in the ways that they expected perhaps just a few weeks ago, but still those that are uh, have an IT infrastructure that may be um, not quite as robust uh, as, as it would be in a normal uh, time in a normal hospital. Uh, we have an article about that on, on, on healthcare IT news. Uh, these ad hoc medical centers kind of have a unique vulnerability. They're remote and they sit outside of a defense in depth architecture and so um, in just the kind of immediate nature of, of their, you know, care in a time of crisis model means that security is necessarily going to be a lower priority than, than medical care. So there's, it's a whole new world out there. And, but I think most security professionals are aware of it and, and are, are doing their best to, to ensure that the data is kept safe. So, Mike, what resources are out there? Uh, right now for folks who are dealing with these issues and, and trying to make these decisions about cybersecurity? Well, I started, you know, by talking about HIMSS and their kind of healthcare cybersecurity reports. I think HIMSS is always is a valuable resource. Uh, if you go to HIMSS.org slash cyber report, you can read the latest from Lee Kim. And I'll also be talking to Lee on video later today that should be up uh, in May sometime. Uh, so you can hear more from her directly. Uh, there's other resources out there. Uh, the American Medical Association and the American Hospital Association have teamed up to kind of put together a um, some guidance to help healthcare organizations strengthen their their cybersecurity, whether it's for home-based employees, you know, some guides to you know preventing phishing attacks and, and ransomware and virtual private networks, um, giving some advice to what physicians need to know um, when they are working remotely, because a lot of the primary care docs are not necessarily in the office as much as they used to be, uh, how phones and tablets are, are playing into this and, you know, EHR apps and, and telemedicine and, and cloud-based services, uh, you know, just basic cyber hygiene, you know, it's a chaotic time, but, you know, the, the old rules often still apply and just kind of basic uh, preparedness and, and awareness uh, goes a long way towards, towards helping protect against some of the stuff. Awesome. And of course, along with our links to some of our coverage of uh, the stories that we've discussed, we'll include some links in the show notes to some of these resources. So right before the COVID-19 crisis broke, uh, right before the cancellation of the HIMSS conference, uh, we were expecting the news cycle to be dominated by the long-awaited ONC rules on, on info blocking. And uh, of, of course, that sort of um, fell by the wayside in terms of coverage. Uh, but the rules are still here. They're still kind of poised to change the health IT landscape. And the interplay between the new rules and the world as it's being changed by COVID-19 might have an even more interesting effect. And I know that you attended a webinar on this topic with our CEO, Hal Wolf, and, and Don Rucker from ONC. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you heard there and, and any other kind of developments you've heard around these ONC rules and the info blocking rules. Yeah, the final rules, I mean, the proposed rules were, were, were you know, first unveiled back in February 2019. And so it's, it's, it was a little bit more than a year, but the final rules 
finally were uh, dropped on March 9th, I believe. And that was just a couple days before really, you know, this this pandemic started to kind of really gain steam, unfortunately, nationwide. And, you know, so we did some early coverage in March. But, of course, our coverage shifted as, as COVID-19 became the story of, of the spring. But um, they are still uh, in effect. Uh, ONC and CMS did offer some enforcement discretion just this past week, uh, extending some of the timelines for compliance uh, for certain of the rules provisions, um, given you know the fact that hospitals are obviously quite preoccupied. Um, healthcare organizations of all types are, are preoccupied with with um, with, with the pandemic. Um, but in the chat with with Hal Wolf yesterday, you know Don Rucker made the case that uh, these rules, this you know COVID nineteen situation we find ourselves in has has kind of put a spotlight on the value of these rules of giving patients unfettered easy access to their data uh allowing kind of this information ecosystem to grow around easy access and api enabled um exchange um and so you know he said um i forget what his quote was you know this pandemic really points out the need to have interoperability you know said don rucker if we'd had this rule a few years ago we'd be in a far better spot you know, and by that he meant that you know this is a virus that we still don't know a lot about, but having kind of like a richer clinical information stream, he said, you know, could kind of help unlock those secrets a bit faster. You know, um, telehealth has kind of reshuffled a lot of the you know where care is delivered and how care is delivered, um, and as those the sites of care change, um, enabling easier um, flow and movement of, of health information across sites and you know with the patient. Um, so it is key. So that's why these rules exist. And that's why he's, he's hoping that, you know, as hopefully this, this acute uh, stage of the, of the pandemic gets under control and hospitals can kind of build from where they are um, right now and, you know, embrace the spirit of these rules and um, going forward, hopefully we'll be in a better place, um, you know, with giving patients the data to which they have the rights and um, giving them, you know, the power to, control it uh as they desire yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense that if anything good ultimately comes out of this crisis i think the things that do are going to be situations where people learn to work together better to come together to take care of each other and interoperability is a piece of that i mean we talk about it as you know as this technical thing but at the end of the day it's about hospitals sharing information and working together to give the best care to patients or public health agencies or you know he you know how wolf made the point yesterday that you know deborah burks who's on the coronavirus task force with the white house she mentioned having to call around to labs across the country to get you know the latest testing data every day um after all the work we've been doing digitizing health data and you know setting up an interoperability infrastructure these past uh years uh, wouldn't it be nice if we could just have a, a automated updated repository where you could check that data without having to make phone calls you know, around to different labs to, to get updated data i mean so hopefully that's where we're headed yeah well i mean what do you think i don't know if you're an optimist or a pessimist but what do you think are the chances of coming out of this crisis with a, a real change in not just in in rules but in our our attitude as a country towards this kind of data sharing. I'm an optimist at heart. I mean, obviously um, I'm hoping some good can come from this. We just wrapped up our April was our population health 
kind of theme month uh, across the Hims Media brands. And I've talked to a lot of folks at Health Systems who are pretty confident that there's going to be good stuff that comes out of this. You know, telehealth obviously is um, clearly at a tipping point after you know showing a lot of promise for many years. Clearly, it's been embraced in a big way, and so hopefully that can stick around and we can build from that. There's more attention paid, if still not enough, but on addressing social determinants of health and helping uh, get care and you know just basic wellness to um, underserved uh, folks across the country. You know, people unfortunately are being disproportionately affected by this pandemic. Uh, we really need to focus very hard on giving them the, the the care and attention they need. And there's a lot of initiatives underway. Um, you can see uh, on our theme month page at Healthcare IT News. Uh, to do that. So hopefully we can build on this. It's going to be a challenge as everything always is, but uh, I think people have seen the severity of this crisis, you know, shows that we have to do things better and different going forward. Thanks, Mike. And thanks for joining me today. Of course. Thank you. If you've been impacted by COVID-19, by working in the fight against COVID-19, dealing with cybersecurity challenges, dealing with financial challenges like we talked about in last week's episode, uh, we have opened up an email box at HIMSS, which is, uh, the address is yourstories at org, And it's a chance for our, our listeners and our readers who are working in healthcare who are on the front lines, you know, to tell us their stories, to share lessons learned, information they think would be useful to other folks in healthcare. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you go back a few more weeks on the pod, I, I spoke with Neil Patel about an initiative his team at HealthBox has underway, which is the COVID-19 Digital Think Tank, which is another opportunity to share best practices, to share lessons learned, to share strategies for implementing technology to deal with this crisis. So if you have feedback based on on what you've heard here and you want to connect with other folks in the industry, we have those opportunities to do that. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock, and until next time, stay safe.